Welcome to Ignition, a production of Sky City Entrepreneur Center, conversations with Blunt County starters. I'm Shannon Bryant, Sky City's community manager and host of Ignition. Sky City is a nonprofit business incubator located right here in Blunt County, Tennessee. We work to help new businesses launch and existing businesses thrive, enriching and uplifting people in our community. My guest today is Marcus Blair, owner of Omega Digital Solutions. Hello and welcome, Marcus. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, Before we get started with today's podcast, I just want to give the audience an idea of what to expect. So we're describing this podcast as a chain reaction, and that means that business owners who are connected with Sky City will be having conversations with each other about their lives, their businesses, and lessons learned. So I'm going to start off by interviewing Marcus today. And the next podcast episode, he'll take the lead to interview another guest who will interview the next guest and so on down the line. We are just really excited to to get this podcast started. Um, So Marcus, I would call you if we had one, probably the Sky City poster child. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, really. I know. Is, <laughs> oh. is that lame? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm trying to think how I feel about that. I don't know if I want to be on a poster. Oh no, we're not actually <laughs> going to put you on a poster. So you started um, Omega Digital Solutions in our co-working space. Yes. Um, and you all have grown by leaps and bounds, and now you're also Sky City's board president. Yes. So I started Omega Digital Solutions uh, in September of 2020. And uh, not long after that, the then board president asked me to sit on Sky City's board. So I was involved at Sky City very early on, uh, right after reopened from the pandemic and uh, got one of the first offices uh, that came available. And we've been based out of Sky City ever since. It's been a great fit for us because we work in software. We're primarily a, a remote company and we have people scattered to the four winds. Uh, so we really, the idea of commuting to a building, it just wouldn't work very well for the type of work that we do. That's completely understandable. So if you wouldn't mind, just like get in the way back machine for me. Um, where are you from? Um, what's your backstory? Um, how did you get started in your career? Uh, let's see, I grew up in Loudoun, Tennessee. I graduated Loudoun High School, class of 99. Uh, went to engineering school, uh, worked in automotive manufacturing for a while in engineering and in accounting, led a bunch of teams and did, you know, typical projects, launched products, that sort of thing. Then I moved into management as a general manager of a data analytics program uh, for an international manufacturer. Did that for a couple of years and then like, I don't know, probably half the country lost my job during COVID. And uh, then I ended up starting Omega Digital. Cool. Now, what do y'all do? Give me the elevator pitch. So you know how, well, since the beginning of time, if you wanted to write a uh, computer program, you had to go learn how to code. You used to do it with punch cards. And then after that, you know, you moved on to text card, you know, text typing. You had to learn some language like C++ or Visual Basic or whatever, and you write your computer program, and then you had to learn how to deploy it and all those things. Well, all of that is changing. Um, Computer programming is moving to drag and drop. 
And even now, there's a few platforms now where you can actually just type in what you want it to do, and it uses some AI wizardry to build the automation for you. Uh, but anyway, the point is, it's becoming way more accessible, which is good, but it's also bad. So if you can imagine if you're in an organization of any size and suddenly half of your staff is a developer and they're all writing computer programs and people's data is overriding other people's data and who's right and where's the data coming from that we're even used to do this. It turns into the Wild West really, really quickly. Uh-huh. So we help companies going through that transition a couple of ways. We can either build and deploy it for them and maintain it and on whether that's uh, local or if they want it in the cloud or whatever. Uh, we can help them put uh policies and governance in, into place so that they are making intentional decisions. You know, we, we're going to use this platform and not that one, or we want to do things this way and not that way. So it doesn't turn into the wild west. So, you know, put some guardrails in place or we can, uh, come alongside their IT department. A lot of our customers don't have, uh, you know, they don't have, 25 people in their IT department, they might have two or three or four. And those guys or those staff members are usually just trying to keep up with all the, you know, day-to-day sort of demands. Mm-hmm. So we can augment their IT department with staff. Awesome. What gave you the inspiration to do this particular thing? Okay. So this uh, Omega Digital's why you know, our mission statement is to bring the digital transformation to the other 95% of companies. In our lifetimes, we've seen an exponential increase in computing power. But most of the benefits from a business perspective are concentrated in the upper five to eight percent of businesses. And once you get in the bottom 90 percent, that's basically all of our friends and everyone you meet at the Chamber of Commerce. We're all fighting with, you know, some if formulas in Excel or something. Um it became apparent to me that how big of a problem this was actually while I was still in my data analytics job, we were starting to get some automations into place and trying to move the company forward. And I actually had a VP of sales for one of the big international vendors tell me that we weren't worth his time. Huh? We were an $850 million a year company that was publicly traded with almost 10,000 employees in 14 countries Mm -hmm. and we weren't worth his time because in terms of international manufacturing, that's a drop in the bucket. Um, If you're talking the big manufacturers, like the the Caterpillars and Toyotas of the world, that's who they were after. And because those are huge projects, you know, when you're working with a fortune 500 fortune 500 company of that size, I started thinking, and I remember when this happened, I was looking out of the window in my office and I was thinking, if this happens to us at $850 million a year, what's happening at a hundred million a year? What's happening at 50 million a year, 20 million a year. If those companies need a resource to move their business forward, who are they going to turn to? Where are they going to go? And so I started digging into it and I discovered the divide, you know, most of the benefits from the digital transformation and cloud computing and these big fancy software packages, they're concentrated in the up very top tier of businesses in the world. And a lot of small businesses, you know, they, they are still doing things 
they the way that they've been doing them for 20 years. Right. Or they, they think it's inaccessible or it's too difficult or whatever the case may be. That's why I started Omega Digital, because I wanted to bring those benefits down market. Awesome. So why did you choose Blunt County to start in of, of any place where you could have been? Oh, you'll love this reason. Oh, great. It's because my daughter's here and I would never, ever move away from her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Marcus often accuses me of being too touchy-feely in an entrepreneurial center. Um, but, you know, that's we just have different personalities I hook onto the feelings and he hooks onto the numbers. So it's fine. Um, I love the fact you took the time. It's, I mean, people need to know this is very important. This is, this is good radio. Um, so of any place in the world that you could have been, you chose to be here because this is where your family is at. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My daughter's the center of the universe. Just ask her. She'll tell you. Oh, that's really sweet. That's really sweet. Um, so your why for starting specifically Omega, Omega Digital Solutions, you just explained, but why entrepreneurship? Because this is your second stab at it. Yeah. Right? So, um, you know, we were just kind of talking about this before we started recording. We have this stereotype in our head of what an entrepreneur looks like. It's a kid in skinny jeans and a hoodie with a laptop in a coffee shop with a pair of Beats headphones. Or they're drinking an IPA, a very dank IPA. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is entrepreneurship. And that's just not the case. Most entrepreneurs are not that person. I don't, there are people who make intentional choices to be an entrepreneur, uh, you know, they, maybe their parents own their own business. I, I think entrepreneurship tends to run in family. Sometimes if, if the, if the parents own their own business, then the, then the child is going to be like, I'm going to own my own business. When I was growing up, entrepreneurship wasn't part of the discussion. I mean, I wrote, I wrote an extensively about this on, in an article on LinkedIn, it was go to school, get a job, you know, work hard, take care of your family, maintain a good reputation. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. And that's what every generation of my family has done on both sides prior to me. And that's, and I'm, I don't, as far as I know, I'm still the only one in my family who makes their primary living, um, running their own company. Mm I, I just, it was during COVID I had bills to pay. So I could either sit around and keep firing off resumes, hoping for the best. And, you know, I mean, I got recruited to Salt Lake City and Ann Arbor, Michigan and some of these other places. But that wasn't a uh, that wasn't an option mm-hmm. because I, I had to stay here. Right. So we had to do something. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship by accident. Gotcha. You know, that's that's another thing that I hear a lot from people is that um some kind of change of life happened before before they came to entrepreneurship, right? There was maybe an injury or a, a downsizing at work or something, something that that kept them um, kept them in entrepreneurship or made entre- entrepreneurship the best choice. Um, have you seen that that has been the best choice for you? And at at the risk of being like the the too touchy feely person and your family it's i love entrepreneurship but there's a certain safety that comes with having health insurance and a paycheck yep it's not for everyone i will say that there's a certain amount of risk involved you have to be 
at least somewhat comfortable with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I personally love it. And I don't know that I'll ever go back to working for someone else. That's not at least in a startup environment. Um, I, I, it would have to be a situation where I felt like I had the freedom to really try to build something that having been said, if you want to be an entrepreneur, which I think a lot of people do, you have to realize that your odds of success are, aren't great. That's <laughs> the odds of failure are much better than the odds of success. So if you think you are the exception and you're comfortable with the uncertainty, then go for it. It's super rewarding, but also don't delude yourself into thinking, Hey, I have this great idea and everyone else is going to love it too. Even if they do, there's about seven more ways you can put yourself out of business. Mm -hmm. I mean, if your marketing is bad, if your financials are bad, if your project management is bad, if your customer relationships are bad, like you can sink your business any of those ways. You only need to get one of them wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, so you go into it with clear eyes. Right. What are some of the things that um, you feel like have kept you in business against those odds? Because you're battling the same odds as anybody else. The two things we do best, our operations are very good and we deliver projects on time and under budget. We have excellent customer retention. Everyone who does one project with us comes back and does another one. We also have a very strong referral network. And between those two things, those are probably our two strongest points. In fact, I'm sure there are two strongest points. Mm -hmm. Great. What are some of the things that kind of look back on and are like, oh, wah, wah, I kind of wish I hadn't tried that one. <laughs> our marketing sucks. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so basically everything, every dime I've ever spent on marketing, I wish I hadn't have done it <laughs> because I literally would have got more out of it. If I had taken the money in the street and just set it on fire at least I would have been warm for a while. Oh no. Now why? Why do you what what happened? What why do you think that was a waste? So that there, there's it's there's several factors here. One, I was really bad at talking to people. I didn't realize how insular of a world I lived in when I was still at my W2 job because everybody was an engineer or a database guy or a programmer. And you could just walk around going, blah, 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 SQL and Python. We're going to do these things. And everyone would be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Engineers generally do need a normal people translator. So the first time I walked into a chamber event and they're like, oh, tell us about your business. And I was like, oh, we deploy Python scripts on our, with uh, RDS databases and Amazon cloud. And people are like, oh, computer stuff. And they just, you know, their eyes gloss over and then they walk away. And the thing is, if you have that, uh, if you can't communicate clearly and then you go hire a marketing company to broadcast that message widely, guess what? You are going to broadcast an unclear message and no one's going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So that was mistake number one. Um, mistake number two, I didn't understand what I was selling. And so I think, and this is probably something that a lot of entrepreneurs do with. They'll say, you know, especially when you're first, when you first start out and you're like, I'm regardless, I don't care if people are asking me to mow the grass, I got to pay the rent. I got 14 days, right? Just like, oh, so what do you do? What do you need? 
(laughs) (laughs) We do all the things. (laughs) Well, we do everything. Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's another problem. You can't sell all the things to all the people. Not if you're actually expecting them to give you money for it, because it just, it doesn't, it just muddles your message further when you throw too many options at people. And if you, even now, if you go and you look at our website, I've had people go to the website, look at it, and then think we're a marketing company because the message is still really muddled. Mm. It's not clear. So when you asked me what we did and I explained it, I've only been able to do that for maybe, I don't know, six weeks, (laughs) maybe two months where it's like, oh, this is how I can say this. And people, they get it Mm. right um, we had another big change with uh, the products that we were offering. Uh, as a matter of fact, they weren't products at all because we 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 didn't understand what we were selling. We had to come up with packages to so that people could understand what they were buying. We up until that point, we were trying to tailor every single project as a one off. So the profitability was variable. You know, we would get into some projects because, you know, engineers, we're arrogant. We think we can figure it out. We'll look at something and we'll be like, ah, that won't be bad. And then three days later, you're still staring at a blank computer screen like I I have to figure this out. Um, And so we got ourselves in those situations sometimes. Mm -hmm. So now it's very clear. There's only you can buy like one of three things. And Mm -hmm. that's very clear. The uh, value prop is is very clear. We actually know who we're selling to because, like I said, you can't sell all the things to all the people. And even when we teach co-starters classes, um, I had <laughs> one of my favorite co-starters. He uh, he um, in his product, I asked him who his target customer was. He says, well, everybody who wants this product, that's not your target customer. That's the size of the market. Mm-hmm. your target customer is going to be a little sliver of that. And you have to fanatically understand who your customer is. So you know how to talk to them. And it's like, Oh no, that's going to exclude people. Yes. That's going to exclude exactly. people. That's the entire point. Mm-hmm. It has to be targeted. And that that's been a huge learning curve. And I'm, I don't even think, I don't even think I'm done with it. Like I'm sure there's going to be more for me to learn on that front. Fair. Fair. You know, I hear that also from a lot of entrepreneurs is that um, it's always a journey. It's always a process of honing what you do and and who you are through your brand and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. We're going to start talking. You're getting well, mad at me about branding. No, now. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to tee off on branding. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is at different levels, entrepreneurs still deal with the same problem. Right. So we're a relatively new company. We're a smaller company. And earlier today, you know what I was stressing about? Payroll. Like, oh, am I going to make payroll? Am I going to do this? Okay, everything's good. There's another company uh, who's let me do some math in my head. 50 times our size. Right. Quite a bit bigger. You know what they were stressing about? Payroll. Payroll. (laughs) It's, It's the same problem with more zeros. And there's a, I don't know if this is true. It might be an, ap- an apocryphal story about FedEx where the founder took the payroll money to Vegas and gambled it. Oh no. Right. What? He took, you know, the founder took the, took the payroll money to uh, Vegas 
and won more money on a black, either blackjack or roulette or whatever. Anyway, FedEx was about to die. He flies out there. He gambles the money, wins more, comes back and makes payroll. Right. So it, whatever level you're at, all entrepreneurs are dealing with very, very similar Mm-hmm. problems and they you know it's just a handful of things there's payroll which goes back to cash flow you know your PL statement it doesn't matter how many zeros are on it mm-hmm. right it's just it, everyone's kind of struggling with the same things you know that's something that i haven't really asked because so many of our people they're they're it's just them or them and their and their spouse to have employees to be like responsible for other human beings livelihoods that feels so stress. Um, how do you deal with that? Do you feel that stress? Does oh, it keep yeah. You up? Yes, absolutely. Um, because when I was in my last job, I would I had direct reports, I had indirect reports all around the world in different time zones. It wasn't it wasn't foreign t- for me to be in a professional leadership position or even to have PL responsibility. What's different when you're building your own company is that you're doing it with your own cash flow. Mm-hmm. So if you make a bad hire, it's going to affect your bottom line. Like right then mm-hmm. I made a bad hire last year. Our revenue for the quarter dropped 20%. Oh my gosh. Right. If we did that, you know, you're working with this big, huge company and you're, you know, middle management cog in the machine and you make a bad hire well, the revenue for the company is not really going to get affected. You're just going to find an excuse to fire the guy and and then you'll you know go hire someone else. But when it comes to building a team for a small business, you have to sell them. They have there is no valid reason why they should work for you. Mm-hmm. You can't offer the benefits of other companies. You can't offer the salaries that other companies can offer. And what you can offer, though, is a vision. You have to sell them on the vision and you have to hire people who buy into your vision. That is more important than hiring people with the correct skill set. If you remember that, then you will uh, be able to build a team that's unified around an idea. And those people will work um, with blood, sweat and tears because they want to build this vision that you've sold them. Now, if the company gets off course and you kind of forget your vision for whatever reason, it'll disintegrate um, because that is that's the glue that keeps the team together. Marcus, we're coming to the end of our time. Do you have any other things that you would like to say about your story, about entrepreneurship that I haven't asked you that you feel like we're about to leave on the table? I think if I was going to add one thing, am I talking to aspiring entrepreneurs or people who just want to like walk on the plank for themselves? Just just let her rip. I think if I was going to add one thing, it's that entrepreneurs, we're not necessarily special people. Like we're not especially talented. Um, we might have a little bit of false confidence because we all think we're the one out of five who's, who's going to make it. <laughs> Right. Um, but the best thing to do is to just get started, um, start doing something, even if it's just market research or start going to an event and just pitching your idea to see if it's to see if it's any good or not. And then listen to the market. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions where, you know, the focus group was wrong or the this 
population sample that you had. Oh, they told you don't do it and it was wrong and the company went gangbusters. But the reason why you know about that is because it's the exception rather than the rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> l- listen to what the market tells you, but don't be afraid. I mean, just go get started. I think the idea of, of running a company or starting a company, it's so intimidating that people just kind of stay on the bench. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see more people who are just willing to take those first couple of steps because once you sort it out and you learn that you can make mistakes and it won't necessarily be fatal, then you can take more steps. You can move down the path further. And, you know, even if you just do a little bit every day in a year or 18 months, then you could have something very, uh, very legitimate on your hands. That's great. Awesome. Marcus, thank you so much for being here with us today, for talking about all of this great stuff, your your story, your journey, your lessons learned, all the things. Um, and we just very much appreciate your, your participation. All right. Well, thank you for having me again. Awesome. And that is the end of our time. And we hope to um, have you all back here next time when Marcus is going to interview an as yet unnamed Sky City entrepreneur. Thank you. This has been Ignition, a chain reaction podcast production of Sky City Entrepreneur Center, produced by Epic Nine Outfitters. Find Sky City at skycityec.com or on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.